0: Thanks, guys. Good morning. Good to see you. We are uh, landing uh, this plane uh, today of living and active. Um, I got to tell you, um, I've never felt um, more on holy ground during this uh, series than I have and just uh, what, it, what we're talking about and uh, um, impact that it can make. Um, in, in our lives, and so this is part five, um, and so you 're kind of if you 're new kind of coming into the end of the of the story, but you can always go back and listen we have uh, podcasts available available for you um, uh, Google play uh, available for you as well um, and so if you want to go back and listen, I would encourage you uh, to do that um, but this is part five, but really this is also part two of last week's part four. Does that make any sense to anybody? Okay, well, don't worry about that then. Forget that I said anything about that. Uh, but that's what this is. Is sort of an extenuation of uh, what we um, looked at last week. Um, but uh, we, we, what we said last week was simply this, is that um, I hope that you see uh, the Word of God as more than just a book uh, on your table or a book on, in your shelf, that I hope you see the Word of God uh, differently. I hope you see uh, the, the word of God as, as oxygen uh, for, for you, that it's something that, it, that you need to breathe in order for us to survive uh, in this world. Um, I hope that you see the word of God as food, um, just like we need food uh, to sustain life. The word of God is food for us. Um, Jesus said while he was being tempted, you know, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that precedes out of the mouth of God, it's food for us, it's what we need uh, in our everyday life, and if you just ate on Sunday, on Sundays, and you didn't eat at all during the week, that's trouble for you, and that's where the Word of God is, is a picture of that, is that we need to have the Word of God accessible, available, and and read it, um, and, and, and let it, you know, engage with it, that's really the whole idea, it's more than just owning uh, you know owning one or even respecting one it 's engaging with it that 's how it works we, um, if you weren 't here last week, I gave away one hundred and two dollars. You should have been here i don 't know what else to tell you. Uh, you could have gotten one hundred and two dollars, but it was just like I had um, an envelope of of monopoly money of one hundred and two dollars and another envelope of real money of one hundred and two dollars. You say why one hundred and two dollars i don 't know uh, make it more memorable I think and so um, it, they're just, the value's the same if it's not applied. If the real $102 is not applied, the value is the same as the monopoly money. And so until you and I apply it, until you and I engage with it, it doesn't work, it doesn't have the power. So we have to uh, engage with it. And so we're gonna continue on in the, what, it, what it should look like for us, what it should be for us uh, today. And so um, there was a... Um, Life Magazine, everybody remember Life Magazine? Life Magazine came out um, with the top 100 events of the last 1,000 years, the top 100 events over the last 1,000 years. I mean, just is as their uh, assessment of, you know, the top most um, influential, impacting events that took place over the last 1,000 years. Um, number three, on the list, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three, two, and then, then number one on the list. Number three on the list, um, as a matter of fact, is we're um, we're coming up on just on Tuesday, um, October 31st. We're coming up on the 500-year anniversary of this um, event that took place 500 years ago. Martin Luther uh, posted 95 theses on All Saints Church in Germany, uh, disputing the Roman Catholic church and their um, pursuit of this vile, disgusting lie of that people could pay for their, um, for their sins. They could give money to the church in order for them for, to free them of some of the sins, so they would spend less time in purgatory, and, or, or they could spend money. They were called buying indulgences. They could spend money to free family members out of purgatory to go to Heaven, And that's what they did. And the, the church did that. And, um, and, and Martin Luther said, nope, this is not happening anymore. Martin Luther had access. And here's um, what Martin Luther said. I don't know if we hear, have that up on the screen or not. He says, here I stand, Luther said, here I stand. I do no other, unless convinced of his error through the Holy Scriptures or evident reason. He said, I want you to understand that it is the Holy Scriptures where I find my accountability. It is in the Holy Word of God that has all the authority for me. It is not the Roman Catholic Church. It is not any other kind of church. It is the Holy Scriptures, Martin Luther said, and that that started a movement. As a matter of fact, uh, Martin Luther through that, um, that, that endeavor, started a viral effect. Martin Luther went viral uh, over time, and I'll tell you why, how that happened over time. Uh, but that began the Reformation movement, uh, and what we know as the Protestant movement, and this is a Protestant church. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther, one of his, um, he is the one that started what I'm doing right now. He started having worship. Uh, services and having the sermon as the centrality of a worship gathering. Before it was the Lord's Supper, it was the Eucharist It was what was before that, but Martin Luther said, no, the Word of God needs to be the priority. The Word of God is where our authority is at, and so he said, I'm going to spend an hour or so on that, and and I'm glad that, aren't you glad that I don't spend an hour? I get pretty close uh, to to that, but he he says, I'm going to spend some time just presenting the Word of God and giving people what they need in the Word of God. And so um, he also preached um, some of his last sermons at a church in Germany. You know what the name of the church was? Market Street Church. How about that? Isn't that kind of cool? Market Street Church is where it wasn't. This Market Street Church is in Market Street Church in Germany, um, where he spent uh, his last few years of his life preaching there. So that was number three of Life Magazine's top 100 uh, impactful events over the last 1,000 years. That was number three. Number two was in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Anybody ever hear, hear that? Before, that was number two on the list. So Life Magazine says Martin Luther's number three. Number two on the list is Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And number one on the list, number one, according to Life Magazine, is Johannes, jo- Johann Gutenberg prints the Bible. Johann Gutenberg print, not, not invented the printing press, but Johann Gutenberg prints the Bible and ever since then he printed 200 you know bibles that were sold before they were even done but ever since then the bible has just gone out the word of god has just continued to spread all around the world ever since then as a matter of fact because of that from that point on once the printing press started printing the bible the bible since then since 1455 the bible has been the number one top seller book of all time and continues to be in 2017 the number one top selling book of all time they've now yeah you can clap for they've now eliminated that from the top of the list why because the bible's just always on there so they said, let's just eliminate that. So we'll put second, really. So when you see a number one top-selling book, that's really number two. And then on and on and on from there. But the Bible is number one. And according to Life Magazine, the thousand, over the thousand years, the top 100, the number one is Johann Gutenberg, prints the Bible. So I just want to remind us in this room today that the Bible's doing just fine. Can you just, can we just take a breath, like, you're like, oh, man, people, you know, question me on the Bible all the time, and I don't know how to answer the Bible. Listen, the the Bible doesn't need you to defend it. You hear me? The Bible doesn't need you to defend it. It is doing just fine on its own. As a matter of fact, the Bible is defending you. As much as, and you've heard me say this, and I'm going to continue to say this, I guess this is the last time I'm going to say this for a while because this is the end of the sermon series, but the Bible is holding you up more than you're holding it up. The Bible is propping you up more than you are propping it up with a table or a shelf. The Bible is doing just fine. So, Jeremiah, a prophet Here's what Jeremiah says, according to the words of God to Jeremiah. Here's what he says, and this is where we're going to sort of launch this out tonight or today, whatever time it is in the day. Jeremiah 23 and verse 28 says, The prophet uh, who had a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. And so Jeremiah is just speaking on the behalf of God. That's what Jeremiah was. He was just a mouthpiece for God, and, and uh, he was declaring the truth of God's word to them. And so Jeremiah makes this declaration according to the, the word of God that says, what does straw have in common with grain? So he makes that statement, and he's, he's using this idea of, of straw, and, and I sort of, you know, been thinking about that and looking it up, and like, there's not a really a lot of, purposes for straw. Have you ever discovered that or not? I mean, there, there's a few things. I mean, you know, you know, that maybe if you have a farm, you have some straw and the animals lay on it. Or maybe if you're trying to grow some grass, you lay some straw down so, you know, the seeds don't fly away or birds don't eat the seed. But to, for the most part, straw doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, meaning or purpose for it. As a matter of fact, it's sort of just like the waste of other crops. It's the, it's the waste of grain, according to this. He says, what does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. He's, he, what he's saying is this. He's saying, my word is like grain. And any other words, any other thoughts, or any other interpretations that man comes up with, or in, in this state, case, he describes a dream. He says, anything else is like straw. Anything else that this culture says that we need? Like, for example, things that are straw or like buy this or advocate for this or vote for that. Write a post about that and that's going to help people or heal your relationship via this technique. These are sort of straw things, you know, that we see on social media or read about on the internet. I mean, get your life together through these self-help processes. Anybody see any of those? I mean, you can click on get your life together through this process, and you're going to have pages and pages and pages of what somebody's idea is of how to get your life together. Now, are they bad things? No. Could they be helpful things? Sure. But compared to the grain of the Word of God, they don't carry a candle. They, they can't hold the weight of that. There's, there's so much more value in what the Word of God offers to us. I mean, we can go on and on and on. I mean, make a million through this investment. You know, we can talk about those things. You can read about those and Be more attractive through these products. Anybody inundated with those things all the time? You know, you get healthier through this exercise regimen. I mean, these are this is straw. This is straw. You say, you know, I mean, pastor, these are helpful things. Sure, they can be helpful. But compared to the word of God, compared to the grain of the word of God, it's just straw. It would be like me, and I wish I had this. It'd be like me holding up a plate of grass and then another plate of hot bread. Which one would you prefer? That's easy, right? Right? This is the picture that, that God has given us in Jeremiah. He's saying, listen, the word of God is, is like that plate of hot bread and, and versus what the world says is best for you or the regimen that the world says you should go through or the process that the world says that you should you know, see or the, you know, whatever the plan that the world gives you for you know, how to live a better life or how to be more fulfilled. He says that's just like a plate of grass. And Jeremiah is saying, listen, the word is so much better than any plan or process or regimen or any agenda or any politician or any movement or any influential speaker or any motivator can tell you based on their own understanding and their own wisdom and their own intellect. The words of God are like a hot bread on a plate versus a plate of grass. This is the word of God. Then he goes on and says this, verse 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord? So the word is, and the way that you should see the word of God is not just a book, on a shelf, or uh, on a table, that I hope that you see the Word of God as like fire. It's like fire. And fire does a number of things. Fire warms us, doesn't it? It warms us. And so I say that it, it, is a, it warms the heart. That's what fire does. It, it warms the heart. That the word of God warms the heart for us. I hope that it does. I hope that you feel that. I mean, I, I, I you know, I grew up going camping. How many have been camping before? Probably a, a handful of you. Many of you understand, that, you know, what it's like at night when it gets dark. You build that fire and then you sit around that that you know that that fire and and you warm yourself in the coolness of the night. Or maybe you make a s'more or two or ten or you know or a pie. Have you ever made a pie over a fire camping over a fire? Are you You guys got to go camping. It's amazing. You know, you can get strawberry, blueberry. Uh, You already know this. And so, but it it warms the heart. That's what the Word of God does. That's what a fire does for us. It warms us. And I got to tell you, in my time and serving and and being a part of ministry and being a part of Bible studies, I got to tell you, the most memorable times that I've had, being a part of a ministry and, and growing up in, in, in a church and being a part of, you know, a local community. The, more, the best parts of that are getting around a people, a room full of people, sitting around the circle and opening up the fire of the word of God and letting that warm our hearts. There's nothing better than that. I mean, it's just getting around friends and family and people that you are brothers and sisters in Christ with and coming in the, within that circle like you are just sitting around that campfire and letting God's word just speak to your heart and letting God's word, because I don't know if you know this or not, but we live in a cold world, don't we? We live in a world that is cold and it's dark and it's you know it's it's damp and, it, and, it, and it's for something about you know coming in out of that and warming yourself by a fire that's what the word of God wants to do for you and for me it's like it warms the heart the other thing that the word of God as fire does is not only does it warm the heart but it ignites the soul it ignites the soul it, it, just like recently in, you know, where those you know, California fires, remember he, reading about this? This is not too long ago, by the way. This ended just a few weeks ago. But these California fires, they just ripped through the wine country in Northern California. There was somewhere over 8,000 different fires that ignited. It was over a million acres of land that caught on fire as a result of this. It just just went through Northern California. Lies are lost. But here's the thing about fire. It spreads. Once it ignites, it spreads. And, And sometimes, just like these fires, it can't be contained. It can't be contained. The Word of God does the same thing. Once the Word of God is ignited in your life, in your soul... It, it, it will begin to spread. You're, why? Because you're going to want to spread it. It will begin to ignite and to catch and to, and to spread, and it won't be able to be contained. Why? Because you won't be able to contain it inside of you. That's what the Word of God can do once you engage with it. It's That it's not just a book on the shelf and it's not just something that you revere. It's not just something that you respect. It's not just something that you own, that you've engaged with it. And once you engage with it, it ignites your soul. And like those wildfires, it begins to spread and it begins to spread even more. And over time, it can't be contained. And that's how the word of God works in that way. I remember um, a number of years ago, Taking a group of people to New York City, we went to New York City. We were going to work for a, f- a few days at a rescue mission in in downtown Manhattan, downtown New York, New York City area, and um, we spent the whole week there in the. Um, rescue mission, serving people as they came in. We actually had an opportunity every day to preach. I had an opportunity to preach every single day to those that came in. They had to, before they got a meal, they had to hear the Word of God. I thought that was a good plan. Before they could get fed, they got, they got fed by the Word of God. And I remember, as like many of you, you know, there was like a few people up in front that were listening, but everybody else in the back was sleeping. And so um, I was like, I'm used to that. And so um, I, I can still work through that. I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding, you're all pretty much awake for the most part, Um, just glazed over a little bit, but, uh, and so I'm like, so I remember spending the week doing that, and then the last day there, we were going to spend about half a day just kind of walking around the city, you know, sightseeing, that kind of thing. And so we were on, we got on a subway, and I'm, we're going to wherever we were going to. And I don't know if you've ever been to New York City or on a subway before, but there's some pretty interesting characters. Have you ever seen, been there before? Pretty interesting characters. Well, one guy got on, and he started having a conversation with... One of, the, one of the young ladies that was with us on the subway, and I'm sort of on the other side of her, and she's standing, and, and, and he's kind of made his way next to her, and he just starts talking to her, and he could have been intoxicated a little bit. There's probably a good chance that he was, and he's just, you know, talking, talking away, and he starts asking her, and she said, oh, we're here on a missions trip, and oh, you know, oh, you got your, your religious kind of, kind of people. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, and she's starting to kind of get a little, you know, uncomfortable now, because he keeps t- ha- having a conversation with her And, you know, of course she would, you know It's just, a, you know, you, she doesn't know this person And he might be a little intoxicated And, and so if, then she goes, which is commonly what happens to me She goes, well, here's my pastor <laughs> Now, I'll be honest with you I was like off duty, you know what I mean I, And this sounds <laughs> terrible I, I shouldn't be ever off duty, you know, but I felt like in my mind made a mental, you know, thing in my mind that says that I'm, I'm just flipping the switch now. Like, I'm not going to be Pastor Chris. I just want to be Chris. and I just want to be left alone, okay? You know, and I know I'm confessing some things. I'm sorry, but, you know, but that's, I did, did that, okay? And so I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't, I got nothing left. I'm preaching. I'm, pre- you know, I've been preaching all week and I've got like nothing left to take. And, but I got to tell you, I just, it was just this overwhelming feeling inside of me that said, you've got to say something of truth and value to this guy. Because after a minute of him realizing who I was and what I do, he started telling me, and by the way, he's not talking softly, he's talking loud. And at this point, the the subway car is now full of people. And he's making a scene. Now, if you're, if, if you're from you know, New York, if you've been to New York, that's not, still not uncommon. But this guy is talking loud. He's making a scene. And he's now in tears telling me about how he lost his father. And something inside of me said, I've, man, I've got to give this guy what he needs to hear right now and in this moment. And I stood up to him in front of all of the people in the car. And again, I remember, I'm, just forgive me, I'm checked out, and I've got to regroup. I've got to flip the switch back on again. And I stand up in front of all of the people in the car. I don't care. I didn't care because I, did, I didn't care. I just started quoting him the word of God, of what I could just come, what came to my heart, what came to my mind in that moment, I believe illuminated by the spirit of God. And I just started saying the things like, the Lord is your strength and he is your refuge and you have nothing to fear. I, I told him that the earth will shake, and the mountains will quake, and life is going to get challenging at time, but you don't have anything to fear because he is your refuge, and he is your strength. And I just started saying to him, listen... Romans 8, 28 says this, and this is not just me and him in a subway car, this is now however many people fit in those subway cars, and I'm just sharing with him, I said, man, all things work together, I don't know why you lost your father, and I can see that it has broken your life as a result of losing your father, but I got news for you, all things work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to your purposes, and I said, I want you to know something, that through Christ Jesus, you are more than a Conqueror through Christ Jesus, and nothing will separate you from the love of God, nor heights, nor depths, nor powers, no principalities, no darknesses. And I'm just going on and on and on, sharing with him the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is fire that ignites the soul, and it meant to be spread. And everybody in that cart heard it that day. And he it was his stop. And he's like, I gotta go, but I want to hear And I said, I can't go with you. We just left a church in Brooklyn called Brooklyn Tabernacle. I don't know if you know Jim Cimbala and his ministry, but we just left Brooklyn Tabernacle, and Brooklyn Tabernacle gives guests a sermon of Jim Cymbala, which I don't think that you would want that here, but they do that there because he's pretty amazing. And I just had a sermon of Jim Cymbala, and he went out, the, the subway car opened, he walked out, and I said, here, and I just tossed him the sermon. I said, listen to that. I have no idea what the sermon is about, but here's what I know. The Word of God was in it. The Word of God was in it. In Jeremiah, in the same, under the same context in Jeremiah 29, here's what Jeremiah says. He says, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut in my bones, and I am not weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. You know what Jeremiah said? Even if I wanted to stop speaking the words of God, I can't stop. I won't stop. This is what the word of God does. It warms your heart. And it will ignite your soul. And all you'll want for it is for it to spread. And it will not. And it cannot. And it hasn't yet. And it never will be contained. Never. It not only warms the heart, it ignites the soul, but it purifies the life. It purifies the life. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? Boy, this is a great verse. Don't you think, young people? Maybe you should write this down. No? No? Okay. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. You want to keep your life pure? Keep it according to your word. Word, and that's what the word of God, that's the fire of the word of God. It purifies the life. And you know, as I know, that gold, silver, these are Bible verses that talk about this, that gold, the precious, you know, gold and silver, it's purified through fire. We all know this, right? I don't need to give you an example of that, but that's how it works in that way. It's put in the hottest of fires and it removes all of the impurities from it. And the, the goldsmith can give it shape as well. That's what God wants to do with the fire of the word. He wants to purify your life. How do you you have a life that is pure? By keeping it according to your word. That's how you do it. And you let the word of God not only warm your heart and not only ignite your soul, but you let it purify your life. And it will bring about all of these impurities and all of these sins that so easily entangle us. And the word of God will free us from those things. That's how the word of God works. Not only is it a fire, but look at what else he says in the second part of Jeremiah 29, the second part of that verse. I only showed you the first part. It's also like a hammer which shatters a rock. It's not just a fire, but it's also like a hammer which shatters the rock. It's like a, it's like a sledgehammer first. And a sledgehammer is something that it tears down. It breaks things down. If you, how many of you enjoy that, especially men, right? Getting a sledgehammer to something. I mean, we just, I, I enjoy that. It's a great relief. It's a, it's a break things down. That's what a sledgehammer does. It breaks it down. And that's what God's word will do. It's like a hammer that will break down. And maybe, maybe there's a barrier. Maybe there's a wall between you and God. Maybe there's something between you and your trust of God. Maybe there's something between you and what God wants to do in your life. And and here's what the word of God will do. The word of God will tear down that wall. The Word of God will tear down that wall of fear. The Word of God will tear down that wall of anxiety. The Word of God will tear down that wall of, of addiction. The Word of God will tear down that wall of, of wanting to live a comfortable life. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is that you feel like there's this, this barrier between you and God, you know what the Word of God is? The Word of God is like a hammer that, will, that you can tear down, you can break down so that you can experience. God in the way that you and I were created to experience him and to know him. That's what it does for us. Doubt, whatever it may be, a full schedule, your career, whatever it might be, that the word of God tears those things down. Maybe it's a a wall or a barrier between you and somebody you're in relationship with. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's between you and a spouse or you and your child or you and a co worker or you and a neighbor. There's some sort of barrier that separates you two, and it may be a variety of different reasons. It may be different things that you have to deal with when it comes to your marriage or as a parent or as a co worker. Whatever it might be, the Word of God can tear those things down. That is not too late. It is not too late to say, you know what, there's this wall between us and it's over. There's this wall that separates us and this thing is done. This relationship is done. No, it is never over with God. It is never over with God. You got to remember who our God is. Our God is a God who takes things that are dead and brings them back to life again. And God can take whatever broken, dead relationship that you have or going on in your life. God can bring it back to life again with what? With the sledgehammer of the word of God. You take that word of God and you activate that word of God and you apply the word of God and it begins to knock down those walls. No matter how thick it may be, no matter how high it is, the word of God will break. Through anything that is standing between you and God or you and others. Do you believe that today? You've got to know that today. You've got to know it's not too late. It's not too late. It's beginning to know that God has His word for you to use as a sledgehammer to tear down whatever needs to be broken. It's not only that, it's a hammer, a hammer to build up, right? You can take a sledgehammer and tear things down, but it's also a hammer to to build up. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God says, man, there's some things that are broken. There's some things that are down. There's some things that need to be rebuilt again. And maybe you've taken the word of God as a sledgehammer to knock down those things that are in the way of a relationship, but you've also taken the hammer of the word of God to begin to rebuild what needs to be built in a relationship and in your relationship with God. It's a hammer to build up, it's a hammer to tear down. Matthew 7, Jesus is talking here. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. It's not just, and hears these words of mine, and and that's good enough, and that's all you need. No, he says, anybody who hears these words of mine and acts on them, what does that mean? That activates it, that engages with it. Anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And this is what the hammer of the world, word of God does is it begins to build your life on the rock of Jesus Christ and his words that he gives to us. And it's not just us just listening to them and hearing them, but then it's us about acting on them. It's engaging with them. He says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. By the way, that's life, isn't it? Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, and slams up against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. It was built with the word of God on the rock of God, and so when the winds came, the rain fell, the floods came, it stayed. Then he goes on and says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell, and look what he says, and great was its fall. Build your life With the hammer of the Word of God on the rock of Jesus and not on the sand of this world. The Word of God is fire, not just a book, it's fire. The Word of God is not just a book, it's a hammer. It's a hammer. And lastly, the Word of God is a sword. It's a sword. In Ephesians chapter number 6, it describes to us, he says, I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, anybody, if you were here last week, you'll know that the devil's coming for you, right? You know this, right? He's, He's our enemy. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. He's got he's he's scheming against you. He's got a plan for you. He's he wants just as much as God has a plan for you, he's got a plan for you. As a matter of fact, right now, in this moment, at this time, every single one of you, he is setting up a way for you to fall, for you to hurt yourself, for you to walk into temptation, for you to understand that man that maybe God is holding out on you, which God isn't holding out on you, but he wants Want you to believe that god is holding out on you he is scheming against you and he god says i've given you an armor to put on and he says i want you to also understand he says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood that's not where our struggle is it's not against flesh and blood which means this is that you are not my enemy he is our enemy You and I, we are not enemies. He wants us to believe that that we are enemies, but we are not enemies. Our enemy is him. We do not struggle against flesh and blood, he says, but we against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. He says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. He says, stand firm, therefore. He says, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says in addition to taking up the shield of faith which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What are the flaming arrows he's shooting at us? He's shooting lies into our minds. That's what he's shooting. He's getting you to believe something that isn't true. He wants you to believe something about your spouse that isn't true so that there's a division there. He wants you to believe something about what somebody else is you're working with or you, you do life with that isn't true because he wants there to be division there. He wants you to destroy your life he wants you to believe something about God that isn't true he wants you to believe that God is holding out on you these are the flaming arrows that the evil one is shooting at us and we need to hold up our shield of faith and God has fortified us with these these things for our protection and he says and take the helmet of salvation he says I want you to put on the helmet of salvation And then he says this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He said, you know what? He says, this is what I want to give you. He says, I want to give you the sword of the Spirit. Anybody nervous? He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect you. I'm going to give you a helmet. I'm going to give you a breastplate. I'm going to give you a shield. I'm going to put things on your feet. I'm going to give you all these things, but I want you to know something. I'm going to give you the Word of God because this is our offensive weapon. This is what we have to battle with. It is not just us standing there going, oh, man, I hope I don't get hit. turn uh, am uh, trying to block the this, this flaming arrows from hitting me. I'm just going to hold up my shield. No, God's going, I'm giving you a sword because the word of god is not a book it's a sword and the word of god was meant to be on the offense for you to say you know what enemy i know that you're scheming to take me down but you don't realize something i've got the sword called the word of god and i'm gonna take you out before you take me out and i'm gonna walk in victory that Jesus has already claimed for me. And man, do, do I look fierce or what? Man, this is less is like... I was, I was holding the word of God and you weren't intimidated at all, but now I actually have a sword in my hand and now you're going, okay, he's, he's meaning business right now. This is, this is serious stuff. Listen, this is how I want you to see the word of God. I know this. I know, not intimidating. No, it's just a little. But listen, it's more than that. It's this, and now we're ready to battle. It's a battle that God declared when you put your faith in Christ Jesus. It's a battle that he says, you know what? You've signed up for this. If you put your faith in Jesus, you've signed up for this battle. He's coming for you. He's scheming for you. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but I got news for you. I've equipped you. I've fortified you, but I've given you a weapon to use and to have, and there's nothing that's going to stop you if you activate this thing. If I just hold it, it does me no good. But if I come after you with it, damage. Right? Everybody just got nervous for a second. (laughs) Damage. This is what the Word of God does. This is why we have the Word. I love the story of Joshua. Joshua is leading the nation of Israel up against this powerhouse city called Jericho. You ever heard that story of Joshua and Jericho? I'm sure you have. The night before Joshua led the nation of Israel up to the walls of Jericho, Joshua was wandering around near Jericho and he saw somebody holding a sword. And he walks up to this image, this man holding a sword. And Joshua says something along the lines of are "You, "Are you with us? Are you with us?" And the, and the man said, "This is all about me. This is my battle." And that man revealed himself. You know who it was? It was the pre-incarnate Jesus. And he says it was Jesus with a holding a sword saying, listen, I want you to understand something, Joshua. You are not in charge here. I am in charge here. You are second in command here. I am first in command here. This battle is my battle that you are just going to walk in victory if you just listen to me. That's who he was. And the next day, Joshua was more sure of the presence of God than he's ever been in his life because the very Jesus met him outside those walls. And all Joshua had to do was this. Joshua just had to lead his people up to the wall. And follow the very words of God and his commands. That's all he had to do. And all God told him to do, you know the story. God told Joshua to tell the nation of Israel to to have the priests lead the way with the trumpets. But this, everybody is going to walk around the wall one time for six days in a row. And then on the seventh day, everybody's going to walk around the wall seven times. And then Joshua, I'm going to give you the, the word, and you're going to tell the priest to blow the trumpet, and you're going to ask all the people to shout. And that's exactly what happened. Joshua told the people what God's words were. They followed to the T what God told them to do. And you know what they experienced? When they walked around the wall seven times on that seventh day, the walls came a-tumbling down on Jericho, and they came rushing in, and they had had the victory that God already claimed. And all they had to do was be obedient to it. All they had to do was act on it. That's all you and I have to do in claiming victories in your life the victory that God already gave is simply obey what He says, and you will walk in victory because this is a sword for you. I hope you see the Word of God as a fire as a hammer, and as a sword. Father, we come to you today. And just like what Jesus said, the captain of the Lord of hosts, we are standing on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground. Your word will endure forever because you said it would. And it has. We're gonna wither away, we're gonna fade away, but your word is gonna continue on because it's more than just a book. It's more than that. It's fire. That warms our hearts, that ignites our souls, and purifies our life. It's a hammer that breaks down any barrier between us and you, and us and somebody else. But it's also a hammer that builds up what is broken, what needs repair. It's a sword. It's our offensive weapon against the schemes of the evil one wanting to take us out, wanting us to live an unfulfilled life that you've already designated for us. That's not wanting us to walk in victory in a battle that you've already claimed. I pray, Lord, that we see your word in these ways every day, every day. Be with each one here. Thank you for bringing them here today, this morning. Encourage each one as they lead, head head out. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.